0: it's the month of love and on me myself and i when february comes around we usually focus on prioritizing yourself better and this year we're actually looking at loving yourself better through self-acceptance so according to an article on the harvard health publishing website self-acceptance is defined as an individual's acceptance of all of his or her attributes positive or negative negative. and this is a very important discussion to have because sometimes you can definitely love yourself but whether you love yourself flaws and all is the real question you see it's easy to love yourself based on all the positive things that you love about yourself but loving yourself with your mistakes your flaws and your weaknesses can be a little bit harder to do because these things are a little bit harder to accept. but today we'll be chatting a little bit more about with rox anderson a woman's lifestyle coach and founder of the staple life and she basically helps women take back ownership of their lives so that they can essentially show up as their best self in all areas of their lives I'm super excited to share this conversation with you because she touches on so many amazing nuggets that I think can really help all of us on our own journey of self-acceptance.
1: Hey, Rox, how are you doing?
2: I'm well, highly, and thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited to have this
1: conversation. Yeah, it's so wonderful to actually have you, and you know. I'm so excited because you're actually the the first guest here on the podcast. So welcome and thank you for joining. (laughs) Thank you. I am a a little known fact about me is that I really like
2: to be the first. So I'm very (laughs) (laughs) honored.
1: So before we actually kick off this conversation, can you tell me a little bit more about yourself and about the staple life?
2: Yes, absolutely. Yeah, so I am a a woman's lifestyle coach and The Staple Life was really born out of my own journey to find wellness practices and rituals and routines and products and information that would work for me. Um, So it actually started as like a little experimental blog. um, And then Instagram came along and I was like, let's put it there. And um, in my own self-development and personal development journey, um, I went through coaching myself. Um, And I'm actually a psychology major and had explored coaching very early on in my career, but never revisited it. So when I started studying coaching again, it felt like the perfect um, marriage between, um, you know, the kind of answers I was looking for um, in my own life in in terms of living more holistically um, and not living on the rat race anymore Mm. and bringing some coaching principles um, in. and, And that's really how and what the staple life is today. It's a combination of those two things.
1: You know, Rox, what I think what I love about the staple life is that, you know, similarly to me, myself, and I, there's this huge focus on prioritizing yourself and prioritizing all aspects of self so that you can actually be your best self. And um, that's why you're literally, there's literally like no one else that I would have rather have asked to be the first guest. So it all just like yeah. came together so nicely.
2: <laughs> yes, and I, I really am so, so grateful to be here. There is... Fantastic synergy, yes, between um, your podcast and and the work that we do at Staple.
1: So we're actually just going to delve right into it now. So for you, what is that definition of self acceptance? Yeah,
2: I think you know when I think about the word definition, I'm always like, oh, let's look what the dictionary says, or let's look what <laughs> Google has to say. <laughs> um, and and a lot of the literature out there is is around the fact that self acceptance is about feeling satisfied with who you are regardless of your flaws regardless of the good the bad and the ugly so it's really accepting all of who we are mm. um, and being able to embrace all of that with grace and kindness towards ourselves mm. um and when I was reflecting on that definition I was like I feel like it's a little bit more than that right it's I believe it's it's really also about recognizing um who we are and the value that we bring, you know, and that that value goes beyond just the attributes that we have mm-hmm. and the actions that we take and the pe- the the strengths um, that people see us um, in, you know, mm-hmm. um, because we're more than just how we act and behave, you know. There's an essence to us that's that's um, that essentially makes up who we are, um, and it's about accepting that it's about accepting that essence. Mm-hmm. Um, and being kind and acting from a place of kindness towards that.
0: Hmm. And I think, I love what you're saying about the
1: fact that, you know, we are more than our attributes and our actions and our strengths and all of that. And I think, you know, all these things that you've mentioned, we actually tend to hang our hats on that. And we use that to define who we are, you know. And even in that, we use it to define who we are. But with that, we're still selective about what we choose to accept in that. And you know, but that there's still so many things that we still don't fully accept. And I think that actually brings me to my next question, which is, you know, why does full and complete self-acceptance actually matter? Because, you know, some people might be fine with just partly accepting themselves and now they actually ask, isn't that enough already?
2: Yeah, I think it 100% matters, right? Um, because, self-acceptance i believe is almost like the baseline it's the foundation it's the building block that our self-esteem and our confidence is actually grounded in so when we accept the parts of ourselves for all of who we are, we're able to, um, play into our strengths. We're able to, um, enhance those good parts. Um, and when we're acting into those good parts and acting into our strengths, um, and the things we're naturally good at, our confidence builds. And mm-hmm. so the cycle continues. Um, but I think, when we're also able to acknowledge where we might have weak points and become aware of the not so great things about who we are Mm -hmm. um, you know it allows us a choice we get to choose whether we continue to grow um, to love those pieces or we decide to and show ourselves some compassion or we decide that maybe now is the time to change, to shift, Mm -hmm. to grow into more um, optimized um, versions of ourselves, right? Um, So ultimately kind of accepting these like not so great parts of ourselves helps us to grow our confidence further and helps us to really evolve, which I often believe is really the whole purpose why we're we're here on this earth, right? Mm -hmm. We're not meant to stay the same, we're meant to evolve. But I always say this to, you know, I have conversations with my girlfriends and, you know, offline and in DMs and whatever. Um, One of the best benefits I found, um, and I've seen this even with clients, um, about being able to be more compassionate and show ourselves self-acceptance is that it allows us to let go of this whole notion of trying to be perfect. Mm. And I think as women... And even just as, as people of color, because we've had historical pressures and expectations put upon us, um, I think it's it's a particularly powerful concept to, to understand and to start kind of um, embodying um, because we aren't perfect. No human being is, you know, um, so yeah we're not always going to know exactly the right way to to act and to be good um in any in any situation so why should we be holding ourselves to to this kind of standard of perfectionism and and trying to be perfect really comes um, you know, it comes up in so many different ways, you know, for some of us, it's in the workplace where we're trying to be the best employee. In other places, it's in the home where we're trying to be um, the best nurturer and do all the things for all people, um, you know, and that has effects on our personal well-being, mm. you know, burnout and um, all kinds of all kinds of things. Um, but when we're fully able to really accept um, that we can't always be the best, we can't yeah. always be, good. we can't always be um, the best kind of mom, the best kind of sister, the best kind of best friend all the time. Um, uh, what it does, I think, is that it actually allows us to um, be ourselves almost in a way, right? Mm-hmm. Um, because we might actually need to get tired, we might actually need <laughs> yeah. to voice our opinions and upset some people. You know, we might need to show um, some assertiveness um, um, you know, in our roles that we play. Um, and, and let go of holding on to this unrealistic expectation um, of, of trying to be good and perfect all the time. Because those those frustrations that we show that tiredness that we show that maybe that assertiveness or maybe even that anger that we show is part of who we are it's part of being human Um, and so I think self-acceptance really has the power to unlock our ability to be authentic
1: yeah and I, I love that you touch on so many points that I've spoken about on the podcast before Um, And you've touched on so many points and nuggets that I think is really going to come up in this conversation quite a few times already. But I think, you know, the first thing that I actually want to touch on is that relationship between confidence and self-acceptance, because I think there's this assumption that, you know, with being confident, it automatically means that you've accepted yourself. Or there's (laughs) this assumption as well that, you know, the two are literally just the same thing. But from what you're saying, um, you're basically saying that the two feed each other um, and they're not the same thing.
2: Yeah, 100 percent. I don't think they're the same thing, but they are very, very linked. Mm -hmm. Um, I believe that self-acceptance is, like I said, it's the foundational practice that helps us build our confidence. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And self-acceptance is us acknowledging and recognizing ourselves, Mm -hmm. all of ourselves, but confidence is the practice that affects how we actually feel about ourselves. And the difference is that we can accept ourselves, but still not feel good um, about those parts of ourselves. We can accept ourselves and still not want to know how to move forward or want to move forward or want to move through or past some of those not so great parts of who we are. Mm. Um, and, and that might hinder our ability to actually feel confident. It might actually hinder our ability to feel good about ourselves because mm. there's still that guilt and that embarrassment or that shame that's attached to those parts of ourselves that are not so great that we haven't fully embraced yet. Mm. Um, and I was thinking about an example here, right? Like I, I always um, like to use examples of myself because I think it's important for us to talk about some of the stuff that are shadow pieces of who we are Mm. I have a really bad temper I've been notoriously known to have a bad temper the people who know it um in the ins and outs of that are are probably the people closest to me if my husband or my brother or my parents or my sister-in-laws were listening to this conversation they would be like "Mm, yes
1: (laughs) and it's so funny because you seem like the most zen person that ever existed (laughs) (laughs)
2: <laughs> and, and 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 that's and that's that's right. It's because I've I've tried to be compassionate to that to that ang- to that angry side of me and that tem- tempered tempered side of me. Um, I I kept that side of myself locked away uh, for for a long time because I know that those kind of uh, those ugly pieces of myself are not things that people want to see all the time. Mm-hmm. And even though I had accepted this about myself. Um, as one of the ways that I react to potentially not having my needs met I don't feel, I didn't always feel good about it right, Mm -hmm. Um, there was always a lot of kind of embarrassment attached to me losing my temper Um, and um, I wasn't always confidently okay with being the person who was going to fly off the handle Mm -hmm. and there are people who are very comfortable being the person to fly (laughs) Um, and it wasn't until I began working on how to better communicate my needs with you know through therapy through coaching of my own learning new tools um, um, and learning how to um, instead of having the angry outburst is to actually say what I'm really needing in that moment Mm. as opposed to getting upset about the fact. Uh, uh, at the expectation that that need should be met without me having to say anything
1: yeah no one can read your mind (laughs) rocks exactly
2: exactly because you know for me becoming more aware of when and what triggers that anger um you know I started to be able to feel um Mm. more equipped Mm. um to to kind of deal with it in the moment Mm. right um, and because I had those tools and, and so on, I was, I was able to deal with, I am able to deal with it better, better in the moment. Mm. Um, and so, and so that allowed me to then shift it and change it and evolve past, um, you know, being the person who's always going to fly off the handle. Mm. Do I still fly off the handle? Of course, because yeah. I'm a human <laughs> I now, but I now do it less, right? <laughs> now, and I can now feel better about um, how I could potentially handle the situation because I have the tools. And it's helped me um, to really be able to drop the embarrassment and the shame that's attached to having that label as, as a hot heartache.
1: Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I love that you bring up this topic around, you know, shame and embarrassment because, you know, when we're tackling these bad parts of ourselves, that shame, that guilt, that embarrassment—you know—it's part of the journey, and it's really hard stuff to actually face. Um, but mm. how do you actually overcome that shame and that guilt and that embarrassment? What does that journey look like? Yeah, I think for anyone, the overcoming
2: the shame and the and the guilt is is work, and mm. it's lifelong work. Um, and um, I think the exact process for how one does it is a very individual one um but i think there are ultimately you know a few um kind of requirements right that yeah. that, that that needs from us to, to kind of sign up to if we if we really want to want to you know do that work um and i think one of them is becoming aware of exactly what created that shame and that guilt mm. because reason that we have that emotional attachment to something um, that's part of our identity is often because in our early years someone told us you know that that's who we are mm. and we attach, you know we attach that to our identity um, um and and so for me in the in the angry example in the temper example I grew up with two younger brothers much younger than me one's 10 years younger than me one seven years younger than me mm-hmm. um and they were because they were little they were really terrible at respecting my boundaries right growing up yeah um and and I was also only a teenager so I I wasn't really equipped to, to be able to know all these wonderful personal development things that we now know you know in our older years <laughs> yeah um, um, but that used to really trigger me. That used to make me super angry. And that was my temper trigger. That's mm. what I discovered through my own development process and going through therapy, et cetera. Um, while at the same time, the the expectation that was imposed upon me was that my parents made me feel bad about getting angry at them when yeah. they come into my room without asking. And I was like, maybe getting dressed. What are you doing? Um, <laughs> you know, Um because I was in my parents' mind, I was the older one, I was supposed to know better, I should yeah. do better, um, and so I began I began to feel really ashamed about getting angry, mm. um, and so it kind of became something about myself that I started to feel really shitty about, mm. so you know, we have to know the anatomy of like where the guilt and shame actually comes from to start understanding what that trigger is, as well as identifying the who or the what created that emotional guilt or shame feeling. Mm -hmm. Because what that allows us to do is that we can then start working to forgive ourselves, right? So we can begin to heal um, and detach from that wound um, that's attached to the shame, to the shame and the guilt. And we can open ourselves up to really being kinder to ourselves um, and to being more compassionate with ourselves. Mm. Because now, um, you know, we we understand where that guilt and that shame comes from. Yeah. Um, we know that it might not actually have been our full fault. You know, I was a kid. Mm. I didn't know you either i wasn't equipped with the tools and it's okay because now i can change it yeah so i think i think that's 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 a really important part in terms of doing the work around guilt and shame healing Hmm. um the other thing that i think is really important to learn is how to release yourself from that emotional attachment right Um, and that I often feel is the hardest part you know that's the hardest work Um, especially if it's something that was entrenched in childhood and that you grew up thinking and believing about yourself Hmm. Um, and I think that this can look like lots of different things it can look like learning ways to better handle the trigger so in my case learning better ways to communicate my needs and my boundaries especially Hmm. if they're being stepped on Um, I think it can also look like forgiving the person or the people who created that initial feeling, you know, so not necessarily having to go to my parents and say, I forgive you, um, you know, and I acknowledged, you know, what you did. Um, <laughs> yeah, that would be a, a little yeah. weird
1: in that instance.
2: Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it would be very strange. Um, but I think acknowledging that they didn't also have the tools to know how to handle that situation yeah. in the best way, so right? Because, because if they did, they would have, and Mm. they would have helped me do it too. So being able to kind of let go of their, you know, own, uh, uh, um, I guess, um, development points as parents too, and and their humanness. Mm. Um, And uh, I think it can also look like needing to give ourselves the thing that we didn't get Mm. when that shame and that guilt was created. So Essentially, reparenting ourselves, right? This is the concept yeah. of parenting. So, I required my parents to help me understand why I got angry in the first place. You know, I required them to teach me how to identify um, and better understand my emotions and maybe help me communicate them better. But because they couldn't at the time, um, You know, I am now responsible for teaching myself how to do that, Mm. Um, and really taking taking the responsibility and the ownership for that. Um, Yeah, and then I think a few other kind of ways to kind of do the work around that is knowing that it's not um, it's not easy, and it's going to require a lot of internal turning the mirror on ourselves and, and a lot of awareness. Um, to be able to do that, to do the work and a lot of self-compassion, a lot of kindness towards ourselves um, and to 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 those who are connected to to the shame or the or the guilt feelings. Mm. Um, and then I think the you know one of the, the big ones for me is also knowing that sometimes this work needs you to seek help from someone else. So yeah. whether that's a therapist or a healer of some kind to help you kind of facilitate um, or help facilitate the process of the identifying and the releasing um, and the healing,
1: hmm. yeah. And I think what's coming through quite strongly in everything that you said is this theme of when you know better, you do better. Yes. Um, and very close closely attached to that is this emphasis on, you know, in what you've touched on, this the importance of working on yourself and that the importance of working on yourself And seeing that as a thing that's part of the journey, you know, because Mm -hmm. I believe that there is this misconception out there that when you accept yourself, it actually means that it's accepting all of you, but it's not doing that work that you actually need to do in order to improve yourself and work on the bad stuff. So essentially, you know, people, when they think of this concept of um, self-acceptance, they literally go to self-acceptance equals no self-improvement. So what are your thoughts on that? (laughs) uh
2: yeah
1: I actually
2: think <laughs> the complete opposite right mm. um um the wonderful thing about about the human brain <laughs> is that once it knows something mm. it's really difficult to not know it anymore mm. um and it's like um like i'm fascinated with like psychological research because i'm such a nerd um but there's like lots of um you know work and and testimony around even in um, you know degenerative degenerative cognitive diseases like Mm. dementia or or something like that people are still able to remember things that mean something to them so our brains don't forget stuff they might hide it from us for a bit but they don't Mm. forget it so I believe that once you know we've come to that full acknowledgement of who we are and you know we're in a state of alignment about what it is that we want for ourselves what it is that we want our lives to look like and be like it is very difficult to not want to look at some of those not so great things um, and think about beginning to change the mush of them Mm -hmm. um I certainly have found that in my own life and I see this a lot with with clients as well is that um uh, you know, that is definitely something that happens to all of us on this journey around self-acceptance. Um, mm. We come to recognize and accept ourselves and learn to love the parts that are working. We actually become equally aware of the stuff that isn't working, mm. you know, because mm. not great parts of ourselves are not so great because they're not working. <laughs> yeah. um, and I think it presents in in kind of two ways that I, at least that I've so far being exposed to um, you know is, is, is it comes up as it's a sticky point or a friction point in our relationships mm. that's not working anymore um, and how you know it becomes it influences how we are able to communicate with people and interact and actually build deep meaningful relationships that might even hinder us from doing that effectively or, mm. or to a level that we are happy with or that the other party is happy with um, and I think the other way that it comes up is as a barrier or a blocker or a limitation for ourselves. So limiting us from being able to move forward, to move on, to get shit done, to create new habits, to create new rituals and routines, hmm. what it might be. I think that those, yeah, those not so great things can can cause these two kind of block points or stick points. Um,
1: yeah. Okay, so I think between the two of us on the score, we've established that, you know, self-acceptance definitely doesn't mean no Uh, self-improvement. But what about someone who thinks that self-acceptance and self-improvement isn't even necessary? How can that lack of self-acceptance actually affect your personal journey just overall?
2: Yeah, I mean... I mean it makes me a little, it always makes me a little sad when people are like, I don't want to do the work. Mm. Um, you know, um, because when we're not accepting all of ourselves, we're ultimately rejecting parts of ourselves. Yeah,
1: definitely.
2: Um, and we're we're all um um we none of us wants that reject that rejection feeling, right? Like we all know what rejection feels like from other people. So why would we be putting ourselves through that? Um but I think the, the kind of biggest kind of downer there is that um, continuing to reject those parts of ourselves keeps us blind to where we have the opportunity to evolve and make mm. it better. And so we don't give ourselves that opportunity to even try when we're saying things like, I am who I am and why, you know, why do I need to, to do this? Mm. Um and and ultimately, I think our lives and, and our relationships and our interactions and our mental health and even our emotional and our physical health and habits can stay quite stagnant um, with that kind of mentality or yeah. that kind of mind and attitude. Um, because we're not really willing to see where and how we could grow and change um, and how we could find even peace, you know, within ourselves. Mm. But I do, I think it's important to say that, you know, not all awareness of our bads and our uglies is going to lead to some like revolutionary, (laughs) life-changing, you know, thing that people are going to want to write books and movies about. Yeah. Most of the time um, is what I found, is that actually, um, you know, what. What acceptance of those parts of ourselves does, um, even just the the first step of like being okay, fine, I have a really bad temper, <laughs> is that it takes the power away from that thing, mm. it diffuses it, right? Um, and what, what I mean by that is that it, it disarms the harm that that attribute m- could do for us. It's yeah. like um accepting that you're a little bit of a control freak um and you know and and then truly just actually embracing um what being a control freak actually is because what does that allow you to do it allows you to be the person who everybody trusts with the shit stuff to, like you're gonna plan a thing yeah. you're gonna make sure it's done you're super reliable mm. right so so even just the beginning stages of of a slight shift in a mindset around who can I accept as part of myself can actually open up opportunities for how you can use that attribute or that thing about you in a more positive way um and so it becomes not so much of a bad thing and not so much of like you are a bad person or you are this crazy control freak or hothead but it's actually a cool skill that you have um, that yeah. you know you call upon when other people need it so to shy away from that work um, I think really robs us the opportunity to to free ourselves from the things that um, might actually really be holding us back Hmm. and seeing those blocks and those frustrations in our lives and our relationships
1: yeah and I love this the last part that you actually mentioned yeah because it's literally like almost taking your power back from this thing that controls you and I absolutely love that Um, Mm -hmm. and I think even just speaking about um, the stuff holding us back speaking about the stagnation that you spoke about you know I can't stress enough how much life is about you know constant improvement and being intentional about not remaining stagnant and here for me um self-acceptance means it actually seems like it's a big part of preventing that stagnation just from what you said right now so what should I begin doing to start building, you know, my Mm. self-acceptance? I think
2: like warning, warning is that this work (laughs) is lifelong, right? So know that it's going to be a lifelong journey and it's going to take a while because as we evolve, there's new things to uncover Mm. and and do and and change. So I think it's really important to get comfortable with knowing that it's going to be a long journey. Um, and knowing that it doesn't happen in like a 30-day challenge. Yeah. Not gonna happen. <laughs> um, um, but because there's so much that one can do, even to just make a start, it can feel really overwhelming. Um, but I always like to think about three small things to do, right? So, or three things to do. They might be not be small for everyone. Um, but I think it's really great to start understanding a practice of self-forgiveness and start implementing that um you know and and i think to begin that self-forgiveness process is a really great place to start is is understanding the anatomy of that shame and that guilt that we spoke about yeah and beginning to realize that you have the power to make a different choice at, on any particular yeah. day
1: love it. Um,
2: you know, and, and 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 in that practice of self-forgiving is teaching yourself how to be more compassionate, more kind, um, and giving yourself a little bit more grace. You know, I think uh, what I talk a lot about with my clients is, is how often, especially as women and women of color, we make ourselves wrong a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, we always trying to do the right thing. And my question is always the right thing by who? Like you yeah. said, the right thing. Just because... Uh, it, it didn't feel like the right thing doesn't make it the wrong thing it's just maybe something that you do so I think yeah starting with that grace and that kindness and the reframing how we continue to make ourselves wrong is, is a good place mm. the second thing I think is just I think is, is to start really leaning into your strengths so you know we spoke earlier about how we're not only our attributes and all these wonderful things mm. but they are fantastic tools and and why i say that is because if um you are if you are doing things that you're naturally good at you know and you might be getting you feel a lot of self-satisfaction from that kind of stuff right and you probably get a lot of um, kind of outside acknowledgement um, of those things as well that can really start triggering your confidence in the things that you're you're great at and it can start to build that confident feeling that is often a great motivator to continue this work. Yeah, (laughs) right. (laughs) Um, And, yeah, it can be really helpful on those days when sometimes that guilt and shame is going to come up and it's going to be sitting at a high level, Um, you know, knowing what you can draw on as as your natural strength. is a great place, Um, a a great kind of almost like a a soft place to land. Mm. Um, And then I think one that I always am quite cautious to say, but I think is really important in doing this work is, learning to listen and learning to accept feedback with
1: grace yeah I think that accepting feedback is so hard because you're always like oh this person's judging me who are you to say right Right. and
2: I say this because when we're beginning to accept things about ourselves that are not so great we are often going to be confronted with them like head head on Um, and learning to hear and acknowledge the impact that those not so great things about us have on other people in our lives especially the people who are closest to us mm. be a really powerful um almost like a, a, I almost want to say like a booster in your change journey right if you can if you can really hear um what other people are saying for for you know with love Mm. and this grace and compassion you're trying to give yourself with that same grace and compassion um it can really unlock not just a lot for yourself Mm. like maybe a perspective you didn't see um you know or deeper understanding of why this thing about you is actually quite like maybe so harmful or uncomfortable for other people that Mm. you care about um it can really be such a wonderful learning experience and can take your own development so much further and deeper um and of course it's definitely not easy um, but i i think it can be really really powerful um yeah to to kind of start yeah learning learning to listen to some feedback with a, with an easy ear and a kind ear
1: oh yeah definitely so you know, once I actually put these three things into action, how do I actually know that I've reached the stage of self-acceptance? Is there like this checklist where, okay, this is done, that is done, that is done. I, I've accepted myself. <laughs> is that how it works?
2: I wish. I wish that would work. It would be. I mean, for sure, the coaching industry would be um, uh, a lot smaller. I think if it worked that way. <laughs> process um I, I you know I don't think there's a checklist I think that it you know uh, that implies that it's a super easy step-for-step process and you're mm. good so for me it's less about yes there are things and practices that we need to be doing right but yeah. I think how to know that we're at that point of increased self-acceptance is less of a doing thing and more of a sense okay um like a knowing almost mm-hmm. you know um and I do think that we'll we'll toggle between in and out of of that knowing you know some mm-hmm. days we'll know and we'll be super happy like yes I'm being kind and yes I'm not going to make myself wrong for that thing and other days we're going to be that we're going to be a little bit lower than that right yeah. um and so that sense is going to be different at times but I do think that that's possible and I think that that sense is what it is and the way I've experienced it is is one of recognition of our most truest self. It's Mm -hmm. like um, the the person and the self that we are when we know like no one's watching or expecting anything from us. Um, It's who we are at our core and almost at our essence. And Mm -hmm. um, I know that I feel that feeling at different times in in you know and it looks different every time for me but some examples of um you know when I know I'm feeling that way is mm-hmm. when when I'm laughing my hardest and my ugliest you know with my family particularly with my brothers because we have inside jokes and movie lines that no one else gets and no <laughs> we all be at the same time you know mm-hmm. it's like dialing into that like part of ourselves that almost just feels like a whole self in one moment, you know, okay. um, you know, another, another time for me when I can recognize that, oh, I'm, I am who I am. I am, I am, I feel good about this person. I know this person, um, is when, um, you know, you're having like a really heart to heart difficult conversation with a friend and all you're doing is like, you know, holding a hand and, and being, and being the the friend that she needs Mm. from that moment you know um or when I'm often when it happens for me is when I'm writing in my journal you know and I can be my most honest about my experiences and my needs and my wants in that moment Um, and and it's going to be completely unique and different for everyone being able to recognize our authentic essence at our core has to be completely different and unique to everyone because we're all completely unique and different
1: Mm. yeah I I love the fact that um you're pointing out that this journey is going to look different for all of us because you know I think sometimes in life there's often this um comparison game that goes on so Mm. in any aspect of our lives like surely if that's what it looks like for rocks that's what it's supposed to look like for me but you know, what we don't realize is sometimes that sometimes our own journeys are a little bit more difficult than what the Fox's journey was, for example, or hers is a little bit more difficult than what mine is. So we'll never, ever reach that point where we at the same base
0: with mm-hmm. literally
1: like anything. Um, mm-hmm. So I really love that you actually touched on that. And that speaks so well to the fact that, you know, this journey is personal and with it being so personal, I think, you know, it calls for journaling about it. <laughs> and that's probably just because I love a good journal reflection. <laughs> and I mean, you literally touched on journaling yourself now as well. <laughs> so what are some of those journal prompts that you can leave us with as we, you know, reflecting on our, our self-acceptance journey?
2: Mm, yeah, I mean, I love a journal. It's a, <laughs> a huge a huge part of my own um kind of self-care practice as well um and has been since I was like 12 so um I love journal prompts and I love (laughs) journal um I think they are um as you start the kind of journey right and we spoke a lot about like how do we start showing ourselves that compassion how do we start being kinder to ourselves Mm. I think it's really about dialing into um Questions that can help us give ourselves more grace um, and care.
1: Mm.
2: Uh, and so a couple that that I really like are questions like, How have I been accepting myself today? Um, mm. And what that does is it allows us the opportunity to think about actual experiences and examples. Yeah. And it trains our brain. Our brain identifies those things and mm. goes, oh like that's cool like I'm gonna hold on to that you mm-hmm. know so that I can draw on it later again um another question that I love or prompt that I love is um in what ways am I kind to myself again practical things yeah uh, you know that we're we're t- t- triggering our brain to think about um uh, and and almost like what i like to say instead of absorb swallow (laughs) so passive right yeah yeah. so we you know putting it down on paper and writing about it our brains have no choice but to actually gulp it in right
1: Mm. um
2: another nice one is is in what areas do i need to give myself more grace um and especially when we're in the beginning stages or, or or especially when we've identified a new not so great thing mm, right mm. and being with it and we're in that messy piece where people are giving us a lot of shit about stuff right mm. this can be a really great um kind of prompt to sit with and um force ourselves really to think about where we need to be kinder to ourselves and yeah. where we need to see ourselves so wrong um and then a last one that I that I really like is, is how can I appreciate myself regardless of my story experiences and where I come from. Hmm. Because when we start uncovering that shame and that guilt, and especially those things that have been imposed on us as young children, when we didn't have power and control in our own lives and we were looking to adults in our lives to show us the way, hmm. um, you know, we can often let that become such a huge identified part of who we are. You know, we know that um, that we don't that doesn't have to be the case, right? That's not like who we were told we were by other people when we were growing up is not fact. Yes. right it's people's expectations and impositions on us. And so, what I love about this journal prompt is that it helps us to start thinking about regardless of all that stuff, regardless of where and how and, and the pain, you know, how how do I appreciate myself? And it really is the beginning part of that reparenting journey, mm-hmm. you know, part of how I can start showing myself the appreciation, the compassion and meeting my own needs that I, I wasn't getting before.
1: Mm-hmm. And I think what the one thing that I love about journal prompts and journal reflections is just how much lighter you feel afterwards I don't know if it's the same for you but you just feel so much lighter you just have so much more clarity and that's why I thought that this is such an important question to actually pop in here because you'll sometimes be struggling with something and the moment you just jot it down in that journal and write about it honestly and openly you have like this aha moment and, and it actually helps you to deal with whatever it is that you're struggling. And that's why I think it's so important with this whole self-acceptance thing as well.
2: Absolutely. 100%. 100%. <laughs> I <say> it better. <laughs>
1: <laughs> So I think this um, brings to an end a very insightful conversation, but I think before we actually close off, me, myself and I is obviously about prioritizing yourself. What is that one thing that you want people to know about the relationship between putting yourself first and accepting yourself? Mm, Yes, this is a
2: very good question, by the (laughs) way. Thank you. (laughs) Um, I think, you know, we hear a lot about putting ourselves first and the importance of it. But Mm. I think I, I certainly know firsthand myself, and I also see it with my clients come and coach with me is that even though we want to put ourselves first we don't always believe that we actually can okay so, and often like that presents itself as I don't have the time my day and all things blah blah, blah. Mm. but what it is actually a self-belief most of the time because what I see with my clients is that they have they've not fully embraced who they are not truly right mm. they're not um not they're not embracing themselves in the way that i was talking about earlier right mm. they haven't fully accepted what it is that they actually need and what it is that they actually desire and what it is that they're actually good at because especially as women mm. nobody affirms that stuff for us oh yeah yeah so we don't always believe that about, our, about ourselves even again i'll use myself in this example. Uh, you know I've done a lot of this work, I've been in therapy for years, I've had coaches, and you know, I know a lot of people perceive me to come across as very confident and assertive, mm. but even me, you ask me the question what my biggest strengths are, and I want to die. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, same. <laughs> it's all about a self-belief. Um, and so so I think that we often give ourselves long, long lists. <laughs> <laughs> um of the things that that we're getting wrong yeah like right? always making ourselves wrong for something and what I see with my clients is that they're not fully able to see and feel themselves for all that they are and all that they can be and they're holding on to that shame and that guilt of um all the things that they're not doing all the things that mm. they're not um and 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 that's really holding them back from from fully stepping into the potential of who they really could be. Yeah. When we're not, yeah. When we're not able to, to really see ourselves and to fully feel ourselves and to acknowledge how amazing we are. Mm. Right. And also acknowledge how human and how flawed we are and acknowledge the work that we still have to do. And that we are works in progress because that's what being human is simply just not able to prioritize the time that is required to replenish ourselves yeah. and to put ourselves back and to heal ourselves. Um because we won't believe in our heart of hearts that we that it's how important it is and how much we deserve it. So I believe that if we are serious about really wanting to prioritize ourselves, we have to begin with that radical self-acceptance otherwise all the things that we're not accepting will continue to block us and continue to limit our ability to really give ourselves that full permission to take the time that we need
1: for ourselves Mm -hmm. absolutely love your answer Um, (laughs) thank you so much for this amazing conversation which i hope my listeners will love and which your listeners would love as well if you shared but before i let you go where can people find you is there anything that you want to fund anything coming up that you would love people to join what's the (laughs) what's the scoop there (laughs) oh thank you thanks for the opportunity um yeah, I think
2: I'm always I'm always so game for for new um, new friends on Instagram. So you can find me at the Staple Life um, on Instagram, um, and you can also go into my Linktree and we can become proper BFFs. Um, and you can get on the email a list where that's that's the first place that I go to when I got something exciting to share or um, want to invite people into some some new stuff. Um, so those are the two places for us to, to become besties and then um, this year's exciting one for 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 staple I'm changing things up a bit and um, in March I'm going to be inviting or introducing a kind of a new um, format um, mm-hmm. to staple so I used to do sessions live on instagram before um for the last last while um but what i really want to do is kind of close that container mm. um to make it a lot more impactful and to invite women into a closed circle mm. with someone um, who can teach us something important and for us to start having conversations that i don't often believe we're having enough in our close friend circles or in, you know, the other places that we feel safe as women, just because we're so distracted by so many other things, mm. you know, we need to make sure that Eli is not choking on the chicken nugget, mm. you know, <laughs> instead of being able to have the conversation about um, how important it is to care about our money, how important it is to, you know, look after our hormones, how important mm. it is to speak up for ourselves. So, um, yeah, so I'm launching Staple Circles in March, um, I'm really excited about it, um, I've got a first guest lined up who I'm very excited about, I'm not going to reveal it here, so. <laughs> yeah. I'm
1: so. I'm so excited to hear about that and I can't wait to actually see it up and running, see what it's all about, it sounds absolutely amazing. Um, yeah. But thank you so much, Roxanne. I just want to, you know, say that I really appreciate your time. I really appreciate the input that you've given here. So many amazing nuggets that you've shared. And I hope that, you know, we can have you on the podcast again sometime. Maybe you can become, you know, a a constant contributor. (laughs) I love love that. I would
2: absolutely love that. Thank you so much, Leanne, for, you know, inviting me, but also for creating the space for Mm. us to have conversations and to start educating ourselves a little bit more and start asking ourselves more questions Mm. um on our own journeys i think it's um it's absolutely wonderful work that you're doing so thank you so much
0: thank you thank you for listening to this episode of me myself and i i'd love to hear more about your own journey of self-acceptance what's been hard about it what's been easy how has it helped you in your personal development journey Follow at me, myself, and I underscore Zeta on Instagram and let me know. And don't forget to connect with rocks and follow at the underscore staple underscore life on Instagram. Love you guys.